Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the Implant Games Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Genthy, and with me today, I have Robbie Sabo. Sabo? Robbie, how are you? I'm good. It's Sabo. Hello, everyone. Sabo. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie has a great YouTube channel called the Aussie Retro Gamer Vine, and he also does a uh, podcast called the Synthwave Podcast, uh, which I I believe is about synthesized music. Yeah, it's all um, new 80s synthwave music and I've got a couple of Canadian friends that I do it with and it's a lot of fun. I saw so. that, the the Australian Synth Alliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a Which name. Which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked at it and I'm like, hmm, I bet you there's some Canadians. And then I, you know, did the digging on yeah. uh, SoundCloud and sure enough, mm. um, that really reminds me, I think we talked about this briefly, uh, but you watched uh, Stranger Things on Netflix? I did indeed, yep. <laughs> and I assume that is sort of the thing that's uh, that's right up your alley, or at least uh, what that podcast would be about. Or yeah, all that like the soundtrack for Stranger uh, Stranger Things is very similar to the stuff that we um, we play on the podcast. So. Yeah. I think there there was two shows on Netflix um, that I thought the the music really kind of made the show in a way. Like Stranger mm. Things couldn't have worked. Like if you tried to do it set in the 1990s or the 2000s or even today, mm. there was something about that 80s, the lack of technology, like the fact that they're playing Dungeons and Dragons yep. and this eerie music really kind of fit the setting. Mm. Like to me, the, the music, you know, the kids were great, but for me, the music really kind of sealed the deal for that show. Yeah, definitely. There was a couple of picks in, um, I think it was the the first or the second episode, and they were just like th- these bizarre, obscure 80s songs that um, I've never heard in public before, and I was sold. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a big community around that kind of music, um, and... Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like doing it. It's so. it's way it's, it's definitely way out of my comfort zone, but I, I think for a lot of people that kind of maybe put it to the forefront. Mm, definitely. And then the the second show where I feel uh, music really helps the show in a huge way was Luke Cage. Have you watched that yet on Netflix? No, I haven't had a chance to watch it. I'm um, <laughs> I'm not up to speed on all the superhero kind of. Yeah stuff <laughs> I'm, yeah there's there's a lot of them for sure i've watched uh, daredevil one and two uh, mm. i didn't watch jessica jones and i still have two episodes of luke cage to watch mm. uh, but it's a very similar thing uh without the the music uh, featured in that show uh, i don't think it would be as strong it really sets the mood for what that whole world is all about and i thought that was really awesome mm. now i'm certainly i have <laughs> i like a lot of rubbish music uh, for sure so i'm not like a, a music music kind of sore, but mm. uh, I do appreciate, you know, a good soundtrack or, or even, you know, well-composed music in video games or movies or television shows. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm big on the soundtracks and uh, scores and all that kind of stuff, especially um, I think my first, my first gaming soundtrack I ever bought was, it was either Buster Groove on the PlayStation and <laughs> and Symphony of the Night, I think I both ordered them in in oh, nine, 97, 98 or something like that. And, yeah, ever since then, it's, you know, I've been hooked on to scores. It's like, been a passion. Mm, yeah, most definitely. 
I remember I, before, I think it was like 2009, 2010, mm. um, I went back to school for a year and one of the classes that we took was digital audio mm. and uh, the professor, you know, he was huge into that. But I, I always remember his fascination with 2001 A Space Odyssey yeah. um, had almost nothing to do with the movie at all and had everything to do with the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, um, Space Odyssey for me is a weird one. I'm a big um, Kubrick fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it's about everything with that movie. It's the visuals, the music, the the bizarre. Everything just sort of feels like a fever dream. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's why I love it. But, yeah, the, the score is amazing. And his, uh, his other movie, I think, has my favourite um, score the Clockwork or- uh, Clockwork Orange. Have you seen that I've one? S- just once. It was a it was a tough watch for me. Really? <laughs> I yeah. I found uh, I don't know what it is. I've watched uh, Space Odyssey a few times, mm. but I've only watched Clockwork Orange once. Mm. No. Um, there was something I don't know. I, I know there's a lot of Kubrick fans. Obviously, he's very influential. Mm. Uh, I just can't say that you know the movies that he've he's made is have impacted me you know like they they have other people mm. i can certainly respect the work though yeah he's i'm he's not, not running around everyone. talking about how overrated he is or anything like that mm. yeah <laughs> this should this should make one of the other topics we've got lined up interesting i think so <laughs> good <laughs> Alrighty, all right so let's go ahead uh, we've got some nintendo switch i'm gonna call them rumors this came from Eurogamer, mm-hmm. uh, which leaked a lot of uh, nintendo nx news and most of it if not all of it ended up being correct um and that has a little bit to do with the screen which is going to be a 6.2 inch capacitive screen instead of resistive which is pretty obvious um and then uh, it's going to be a 720p screen uh any thoughts about that oh i think it sounds fine Uh, the 720p screen um it sounds more than enough for i think what it's going to be and it will definitely help with the battery life um yeah there's nothing i've got a lg g3 phone and i think it's a 1440p screen on that little unit and i had to buy an <laughs> extended battery so that you know um so i could get any sort of decent life about it i think it's diminishing returns once you go over a certain certain I resolution agree. so I have a, or I had a, it died. I had a, an LG phone. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a prepaid phone. So it had a 5.7 inch screen and mm. it was a 720p screen, uh, which I thought was fine. Uh, my wife noticed right away that it didn't have the same pixel density as her last phone. Mm. Uh, but it, it, I think battery life is obviously a big consideration. Um, if it only lasts a couple of hours, that's going to be a pretty miserable experience. Yep. I find it interesting uh, I've been playing the PlayStation TV lately. Um, I borrowed Rayman Origins uh, mm. from a buddy, um, which is compatible with the PlayStation TV. But there's a few sections in that game that have kind of like a gimmicky touch element yeah. where you're supposed to like touch something on the screen. And in the PlayStation TV, it's implemented rather clumsily mm. where you have to like hold in the left stick, move it around and then press X to actually like perform the touch um so i wonder how much uh, how many games are what is a game going to do that relies on touch how is that going to work when you put it into a dock um i don't know what the answer to that is i find that problem uh very interesting and i wonder how that will be solved i think you'll see games on uh 
that cater to the different uses. I mean, I dare say a lot of the games that will um, be more like the, the console experience, I don't think there'll be a lot of touch or any type of Wii U stuff like what you saw in Zombie U. I don't think there'll be any of that in any of the main uh, mainline games. Um, I think the touchscreen's more for the smaller... So more handheld mobile experiences, maybe. Um, and I, I did read something interesting that uh, it just sort of clicked with me. It's like, well, the kids of these, you know, this generation growing up with the touchscreens, the first thing they're going to do is go reach for that touchscreen and there'll be something amiss if it doesn't react. So, um, <laughs> I wonder you know. how often, uh, if this does sell, like let's say mm. it sells to the 3DS crowd, mm. you know, and they manage to move many, many millions. I wonder how many people are just going to use it as a handheld device uh, and how many people are actually going to put it in the dock uh, for actual gameplay besides just charging. To yeah. me, it's a, it's just an interesting problem, Robbie, the having, you know, something I hadn't really thought of um, is games that rely on touch, something like Mario Maker. Uh, mm. How would you do that when that is in the dock and you're supposed to be playing on the TV? Mm. Should, should be interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, stuff like that, you might have two separate modes, you know, you can sort of... Um design things on the go and then take them home, dock them in and play them. Maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. It could <laughs> so go anyway. Questions. Yeah. It could the go more, anyway. The, with more Nintendo. I the, <laughs> the more I watch the trailer and read about it, um, the, the more questions kind of pop into my head. Like, huh, I hadn't thought of that. I mm. hadn't thought of that either. Yeah. Battery life. Um, yeah. All of those things. Mm. Uh, you did pre-order a switch. Am I right? I did. Uh, the very next day, I don't know why. I <laughs> I, do, I don't pre-order games very uh, games at all, and um, consoles very often. So I think my last console I pre-ordered was the Dreamcast. Um, Same. Yeah. So I don't know what possessed me to run out and do it. I, I don't know, but just maybe a feeling that I did want one on day one if they were popular. I did didn't want to go into the store and be told that I Missed can't out. have one because they sold out. So yeah. I have that fear with the upcoming, uh, the NES classic edition. Mm. I, I have a feeling that it's going to be a struggle to, to find one of those for the first four or five weeks. Yep. <laughs> and I imagine over there, it's probably going to be an even bigger problem. Yeah. Although where I, I recently moved to the country, so there's not, there's not too many gamers down here. It doesn't seem, I mean, they're all younger and, but, you know. Less competition. Could, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you, well, let's see here. I don't know if I'm going to say this right. And this is definitely, again, something that's more in your area of expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, is it U-Bowl? Uva Bowl. Is that how you say his name? U-Bowl. Uva. Yeah. Uva. Yeah, Uva. Uva Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Uva Bowl. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uva Bowl retires from filmmaking. This was a notorious director uh, who he, uh, gamers did not like the movies that uh, he brought to the big screen. Mm. Yes, um, I, I, I tend to like terrible movies. I have a thing for uh, B-grade horrors and uh, <laughs> dodgy action movies, stuff like that. And yeah. I can honestly say I dislike maybe one or two of his movies and the rest I actually quite like and own. <laughs> 
Okay. Let's talk about some of the the Uwe the Uwe Ball movies that you did enjoy. Okay. So I really enjoyed Blood Rain. I really enjoyed House of the Dead. Uh, I really enjoyed. I didn't mind Alone in the Dark. Um, and he's got a whole stack of other movies that aren't video game movies, and yeah. they're really good too. There's this uh, Vietnam War movie called Tunnel Rats, and that one was excellent. And then you've got stuff like Postal, which I really liked, uh, which is game based. Uh, Rampage. Have you seen Rampage? I went through the list of movies that mm. he directed, and I'm fairly certain I have not seen any of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I picked out the... I, I like noted, like, oh, I didn't even know House of the Dead uh, had a movie. Mm. Yeah, no, it's... House of the Dead is probably uh, my least favorite. It's the worst one. Um not that any of his movies had uh, gloriously high production values or budget <laughs> or anything, but um, they tended to get better as they went along. And um, yeah, I, I like them. They, how would they compare? I think the campiest horror movie I ever attempted to watch was Troll 2. Uh, they're not on that level. Troll 2 is something of- else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how many people have seen Troll Two, but uh, it was it was really impossible to watch, and uh, and I I couldn't make it through to the end. But mm. man, <laughs> yeah, his so aren't that bad. I think not, there's a lot okay. of um, a lot of uh, exaggeration. I think yeah. it's if you've it's similar to Resident Evil, especially the later ones. Like they can be campy and dreadful, and the dialogue can be horrid, but you know, it's you not can bad. see the good in them. Yeah, <laughs> it's not all bad. It's not all bad. So <laughs> uh, my Resident Evil was uh, one of my favorite, or possibly even my favorite, video game based movie. I remember seeing this in theaters whenever it came out. I don't remember. Mm. Uh, it's a movie now that I can watch, and I, I still actually really dig it. I think mm. the acting in it is just fine. Yeah, uh, I think the plot moves along at a really good pace. The the special effects or the makeup or whatever um, is it still looks great to me. Mm. It's a good zombie story. Um, I. I always remember the part where like the lasers cube that guy's face and yep. then it like drips off like that's just stuff like that really stands out in my mind so like when that came out i remember me and my friends watching that and we all really loved it i never even played resident evil mm. um and i just thought it was a really good you know zombie you know action movie um and then come to learn you know 10 years later like oh everybody hated this movie but me i had no idea oh i'm the same uh paul ws anderson the one who directs and writes uh the resident evil movies have you ever seen event horizon Mm -mm. no horror horror sci-fi set on a ship (laughs) i don't think so okay that's one of my favorites of his and resident evil i don't know i like all the movies i think the very last one was a little average but as a whole i think you know i go to the cinema to see every every new resident evil movie and I've seen, or I own one, two, and three, and then mm. I haven't seen the ones after that. Now, I really enjoyed three as well. Yeah, um, me too. Two, two I didn't like, or I thought was mediocre, but three yep. was another one where yep. I'm like, this is just another really good <laughs> zombie yep. movie. I don't see the problem. Yeah, I completely agree. From the third, uh, from the fourth movie onwards, I think Afterlife, um, 
I liked it as much as the third one. It was more action um, than zombie. I don't know. There was it just seems to be less and less horror ish mm-hmm. as the as the movies sort of progress. But no, I'm with you. I like them. I I <laughs> I even loved Silent Hill. I think that's my personal favorite um, video game movie. No, I was gonna ask. Mm. Yeah, I. I feel like I just, I, I have a lot of movies and I've probably mentioned that before, probably three or 400 movies and counting ones that I've sold and traded throughout the years, you mm. know, I've probably owned 800 or more, yeah. um, usually keeping it around a, a normal level. So I've seen a lot of movies, but for some reason, the, the video game movie genre is something I've never really looked into. Uh, I feel like I've seen Tomb Raider, but I don't really remember it very well. Uh, I feel like that was actually popular, uh, yeah. but for me, it was always been Resident Evil. I never saw Silent Hill or, or some of the others. You, you might be surprised. I think if you dig into them, um, especially now and sort of put aside the the internet rage that comes yeah. along with those movies. <laughs> Tomb Raider was really good. I saw Tomb Raider in the cinema and I've bought it mm-hmm. on DVD and Blu-ray and, uh, yeah, um, Doom is probably the one I was disappointed with in the cinema. Oh, and, that's right. Yeah. I forgot all about that. Yeah. There's a five-minute segment towards the end of the movie that kicks ass, and the rest is just uh. <laughs> a waste of time. Yeah, it wasn't even so dreadful. It was good. It was just average. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right, any final thoughts on video game movies? I like them. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to. Uh, I'll have to fire up Resident Evil two again, um, and then watch three again, mm. um, and then you know I don't spend a lot of time in, in used movie stores anymore. I used mm. to spend a lot of time uh, back in America. We had Hollywood Video, which uh, was a movie rental like mm. Blockbuster. Yeah, we- and. Uh, I would go in there every week because they would always have DVDs like four for five dollars. So mm. I just I would buy four movies every week. If I never heard it, I would look at the actors or, you know, if it says, you know, two thumbs up by Siskel and Ebert or whatever, I would just buy it. And mm. I discovered a lot of movies that way. Um, but now I, I, I don't find myself looking for movies. Otherwise, I'm sure I would have probably, you know, pounced on some of these for a buck or two. Yeah, well, it doesn't take much to discover movies these days anyway like like you said back then you kind of had to hunt them down the, mm-hmm. the internet wasn't like that what you it know, is now have, you know <laughs> i when i'm on netflix i can cycle through hundreds of things and mm. i just never watch any of them yep, me too <laughs> <laughs> the choice is too large versus yep. like this you know 50 movies at hollywood video mm. much easier to kind of you know pick one <laughs> yep no i agree I agree. Alrighty. So a favorite topic for many people is the original Xbox. Uh, I'm a big original Xbox fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've amassed a pretty large collection mm. uh, that's going to keep growing. You have a, a fairly, I don't know, I guess you like the Xbox. I do. <laughs> so, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some underrated and or essential Xbox games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first pick I have, and uh, I guess this kind of goes against maybe the theme because this was also on the PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. uh, and that is a first-person shooter called Dark Watch. 
Yeah. Uh, this is, what does it remind me of? This kind of blends like Old West, uh, like vampires, so that whole Hollywood or Hollywood Halloween type of theme, along with uh, steampunk, and kind of blends it all into this five hour <laughs> mm. awesome first person shooter that, uh, that I enjoy quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, the main character is a vampire, so there's a little bit of fun play near the end where you have some magical powers when you're in the shadows and you mm. lose them with when you're in the light kind of adds some difficulty um, and a little bit of strategy towards the end but from beginning to end uh, this is a game that I absolutely loved and I'm not a huge first person shooter fan mm. I'm um I haven't played it yet <laughs> yeah. I've been meaning to hunt it down from um I actually watched your video and mm-hmm. I think I played a demo maybe uh I want to say it was on a demo disc in a magazine I bought actually, you know, when the Xbox was in stores and I haven't Mm -hmm. played it yet. So I feel it's I I think the problem with the game is it was released pretty late. I want to say 2005. Mm. um, And at that point, um, if you were releasing a first person shooter, uh, it had to have online Mm. and dark watches. If memory serves me correct, a single player experience through and through. Mm. I'm starting to wonder if I'm mixing that up with black. I feel (laughs) like dark watch didn't have multiplayer. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know why people didn't (laughs) dig this that maybe because it was fantasy instead of a, a military theme i'm mm. not sure but uh, i think it's like a ten dollar game an eight dollar game and uh for me if you have a playstation 2 and of course an xbox uh <laughs> mm. just an awesome awesome game yep and my pick um i just had a look at my collection last night and i picked mine's a little off the wall too um because Good. <laughs> it was released on uh, the playstation 2 uh also uh the matrix mm-hmm. the path of neo um now this is a it's an action uh based on the matrix movies obviously uh, lots of shooting lots of uh you know fisticuffs and violence a really really good combo system um very uh surprisingly deep for a uh cash grab license game um have you played this one I have not. Is this the first Matrix game that was kind of released after the movies? No, this is the second one. So the first the one, one, okay. Yeah. So the first one was into the Matrix. Uh, it was a little bit of a train wreck. Um, <laughs> I still I played it. The f- <laughs> I remember the first one because it. Um, I think it supports <clears throat> 720p and 1080i yep. on the Xbox. Yep. Uh, I don't think the follow-ups do, but mm. gosh, this was, what was the the first game video game? Was it Max Payne that sort of had that Matrix bullet time? Yep. Yeah, Max Payne. The Max Payne games, and then everything <laughs> started to adopt it. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to say that the Max Payne had it before the Matrix. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's a blur for it me. Is. Yeah, it I don't is. remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it's kind of funny how like 2002 or whatever is all of a sudden uh, a very long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I do it's... own Max Payne. I haven't played that. Uh, mm. I own the first Matrix game. I, mm-hmm. I believe I own the first Matrix game on the Xbox. Haven't played it. Mm-hmm. I probably will just to, to see how that looks in high definition. Mm. Uh, but I have not played The Path of Neo. Do these games, are they like canon to the story of the films? Or do you know if they're canon? <laughs> okay, so Enter the Matrix is canon. Uh, they shot um, while they were shooting the the second and third movies, they shot some extra footage for use in the Matrix, uh, into the Matrix. 
Um, so yeah, it's got exclusive cutscenes that aren't in the film. Um, uh, in the films, uh, Matrix: The Path of Neo is an alternate take. So it it follows the movies up until a certain point, and then it's a, like an alternate universe thing. The ending changes, and um, a lot of it takes place inside really funky simulations of uh, sort of feudal Japan and um, all this mean? kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it just really fleshes out the the universe and. Uh, it probably has the worst opening hour of um, any licensed game I've ever played. <laughs> Maybe half an hour, opening half hour. But okay. That opening half hour has nothing in common with the rest of the game. It's the it's a stealthy. Um, you sort of escaping from. It starts off where the first movie starts, like in the apartment mm-hmm. blocks, and you sort of get captured and stuff like that. But um, yeah, from from the first half hour onwards it's all gold the controls are awesome the com uh the combat is excellent and the shooting is a lot of fun so awesome yeah i know we've talked a little bit uh, about it's funny to me i've been playing some disney games on the xbox mm. like finding nemo uh in the 90s licensed disney games were just almost always awesome mm-hmm. they almost always awesome and then that kind of seemed to change a bit and then and you talked a bit about the not the disney license game but like movies and things like mm. that van helsing constantine yep. i know a lot of people really dig the buffy games yep. um it seems like those kind of picked up <laughs> they're like the 90s disney game maybe not the best things ever but oh a lot of the time well above average and worth your time i i think so i i've been surprised uh, lately a lot of the games i'm tending to revisit on the xbox are licensed movie games i don't know why um, I've, I've just really discovered that I have a, a penchant for them. <laughs> you have you a know? penchant for video game movies and uh, licensed, I do. <laughs> licensed I do. Xbox games. I do. I'm a weird one. <laughs> right on. <laughs> All right. The next game is the reason I bought an Xbox. Mm-hmm. I did not buy an Xbox at launch in 2001. I was hanging on to the Dreamcast thinking, okay, I'll just import games from Europe for the next year. Yep. Um, but I ended up buying an Xbox xbox in the spring of 2002 because of rally sport challenge um i in america rally isn't very popular Mm. um i really dug need for speed v rally on the playstation which Mm. i play now and realize that's a a pretty poor game Mm. (laughs) but i really did enjoy it i don't know where it was called i don't think it had the need for speed license in other territories Mm. um so that kind of whet my appetite for rally and what that was all about and then rally sport challenge i i must I played a demo uh, or saw a video. I, I have no idea, but I knew it ran at 60 frames per second. And at the time, the screenshots looked photorealistic. I couldn't believe how good mm. this game looked. Um, and then finally playing it as not a hardcore rally fan, um, I, I fell in love. I thought the controls were absolutely awesome. Uh, the way the tires interacted with the different road surfaces felt really natural to me. Mm. Uh, the the track design, just the way the lefts and the rights kind of flow together and, and how that worked really well with the, the drifting mechanics of the cars it was just a game <laughs> i mm. really really love uh it is backwards compatible with the 360 and uh, like even mm. in 2005 2006 when playing this this like launch title or near launch title for the xbox looked like a 360 game that's how good, that's how good it looks yeah do yep. you have any experience with rally sport challenge or the sequel the sequel <clears throat> okay. i um i never got to play the first one i bought 
I bought went out and bought uh, Rally Sport Ch uh, Challenge 2 after reading a review in one of the Australian video game magazines. Uh, we used to have a big Aussie magazine called Hyper, and uh, I was subscribed to that. And they had a glowing review of Rally Sport Challenge 2, and I ran out and bought it, and it turned out to be one of my favourite Xbox games, period. <laughs> It feels, I, I feel like the people that really <clears throat> dug rally games just stuck with Colin McRae and uh, Rally Sport Challenge never got a third game mm. on the Xbox 360 or anything. It just sort of fell out and that was that. Yeah, I bought uh, Colin McRae uh, 2005, I think it was. Um, I think that came out around the same time. I don't know. Like you said, it's a blur. Uh, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> but I pr much preferred Rally Sport 2. Um, and nowadays I like both of them for my arcade sort of kick. I go for Rally Sport 2 and mm -hmm. 2000, uh, Colin McRae 2005 if I want something a little more serious. But, um, yeah, it's a shame the series went nowhere because oh, it was just... I remember, I remember like, oh, Forza's getting a 360 version. I'll just sit here and wait for Rally Sport Challenge mm. and it just never came. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, I really enjoyed it. So I do as well. One of yep. my one of my all time favorite racing games. I did a video a long time ago. Mm. Um, it was called like Five Amazing Racing Games. Yep. I think I changed the name to Five Great Racing Games. And mm. Rally Sport Challenge was on there, uh, along with some of my other favorite racing games. But that's how I, I hold it to an extremely high esteem. It's just one of the most playable racing games I've ever played in my life. Yep, me too. And there's a lot of variety in it too. I, I, in the first um, rally sport, was there like the rally cross events and stuff like that, or was that something they there added was, for the... Yeah, where you actually race against mm. other people. Yeah. Um, yep. It's a bit of a... Yes, there's definitely um, like four players simultaneous instead of just like, uh, you know, where you're by yourself going for time or however mm. you would call it. Yeah. Oh, no, that's all. I'll have to hunt that one down then too. <laughs> Yeah, I I need to hunt down the sequel and, and see mm. how they improved uh, it. Even the, even like the karma, everything about that game just looks so good. It's still <laughs> and it just plays every bit as well. Yeah, it's still it's still very pretty, it's still very very yeah. pretty. So yeah. you're you're in for something good. <laughs> oh, so definitely check out Rally Sport Challenge yep. uh, if you have a passing interest in racing games. Most definitely. Okay. Um, my next pick is another off the wall um, game. This one, I yeah, you've <laughs> never ne heard of this. Really, <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> I know nothing about it. <laughs> okay, it was an Xbox exclusive. Um, it ended up on the Xbox. It it's a game called Galleon, and it was supposed to be the next big thing um, from the creator of Tomb Raider, Toby Gard. Um, it was in development for the Sega Dreamcast, uh, then it was cancelled for the same Sega Dreamcast. I want to say it moved to the PlayStation 2, then GameCube, and then it ended up on the Xbox. And uh, I think it went through uh, development hell, <laughs> so it was... Reminds um, me of, like, Malice. Yeah, it just took forever to come out. Um, I actually have footage of the Dreamcast version on a... VHS tape that I got with a Dreamcast magazine back in the day. That's so it was on my radar from you know then. <laughs> That's amazing. Does that yeah. exist on YouTube? I'd say it would. I think it was Somebody Dr Dreamcast it. magazine. I I've got the VHS uh, VHS tape somewhere. 
Um, <laughs> what year awesome. did it end up coming out? 2004, I think. There we go. Okay. I'm just looking at the cover, the the back of the cover. 2004. Um, and So, it, coming from the developers of Tomb Raider, is yep. it that style of game? It is indeed. Uh, it's more... It, it's to do with pirates. It's all pirates and... Um, it's more of an adventure rather than tombs. There's a lot of open spaces, um, a lot of platforming, and one of its uh, one of its quirks is that uh, your movement and camera control are on the same stick. Um, oh! <laughs> so it's a it's quite a bit like it takes a little while to adjust to, um, but. After about 20 minutes, half an hour, I found it very, very intuitive. And a lot it's one of those games that you'll love it or you hate it um, yeah. in regards to controls. Uh, graphics are very Dreamcast-like. I think that's another reason why I really like it, because it looks very similar to the, the Dreamcast footage. Um, and it's got a really good story and voice acting, so it, it keeps you hooked. But, um, right I'd, yeah, I'd definitely say go for it. It's fairly cheap. <laughs> I need, I, I think if I, I don't, sorry, no, that's okay. I was just going to say, I think I paid maybe $7 for it. Um, Australian. So that's probably like, you know, half of that for you guys. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think, I, you know, I don't even know if I've ever seen this game. Um, I've been buying a lot of Xbox games lately, mm. so I've kind of, like making a mental catalog of, of what exists and what doesn't mm. exist and what things go for, um, just to try and make sure I'm, you know, not paying twice, you know, what I need to, mm. cause you know, Xbox games tend to sit on a store shelf for a while. I don't have to worry about somebody snatching it. If I come back a week later, I can't, I'm not sure if I've seen it to be honest with you, but I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it got a, um, a US release. Um, I remember just because I haven't, yeah, yeah. Just I'm not saying, yeah, I'm saying it just because mm. I haven't seen it doesn't yeah. mean it doesn't exist. I'm just, yeah. I just, it, I saw that you put that on there. I'm just like, man, mm. I have never heard of that. <laughs> I thought I was somewhat well versed in the Xbox library, but perhaps not. I should check Already. it out on YouTube. I want to see this VHS mm. tape on the Dreamcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think the very first Dreamcast magazine in America came with uh, a, a lot of videos, but they were on a CD, and mm. you could put that in, you know, your PC or Mac, and, yep. and play the the whatever files they were at that time. Um, mm. It's it's strange to me to to buy a magazine and inside the plastic would be a VHS tape. Yeah, it's um. I actually have I like two. <laughs> I have a. I have another one. I can't remember which. Um, magazine that one came with the Dreamcast one sticks in my head though it was a UK magazine so maybe we were late adopters to you know the I have no DVDs idea and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah one of those things that's really cool mm. so for the Xbox definitely check out Dark Watch The Matrix Path of Neo Rally Sport Challenge and Galleon yep. So I'm going to move to another list style topic, and this was absolutely inspired by your YouTube channel, yep. um, and this is Dreamcast Racing Games. So one of my, <laughs> at one point, I think I probably owned like 40 Dreamcast Racing Games. Yep. Uh, a majority of my Dreamcast collection um, has almost always been racing games. Just, I loved the Dreamcast era racing games. They just an awesome mix of, you know, the last of the 90s arcade style racers and yeah. like the beginning of more serious simulation style racers i just love them yeah so do i i um i've been a racing fan 
uh, forever. Um, every single yeah. console I own, <laughs> it, I have tons and tons of racing games. It's always my favorite genre. Yeah, mine too. Um, I've got a ton on the Sega Saturn, but I love the Sega Dreamcast racing games as well. Um, yeah. Oh, that console. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny. In about three hours, I'm going to be a guest on the Dreamcast Junkyard podcast. I'm trying to get my Dreamcast juices flowing. Yep. <laughs> Alrighty, so we picked a few of the best uh, Dreamcast racing games that money can buy, and mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and kick this off with Test Drive Lama. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was released on the PlayStation, and instead of porting that to the Dreamcast, they rebuilt it from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say even the PC version is the bad PlayStation game, or maybe the PlayStation game is the bad PC version, I don't know. Uh, but this is another one of those games I remember, Test Drive Lama, just like drooling over for it in the the magazines electronic mm. gaming monthly or next generation or the official dreamcast magazine like the weather effects i remember seeing screenshots of like the tires like leaving marks in the road mm. and splashing up water and all of that and then uh, it ended up also being just a really brilliant racing game uh this is sort of like mm. rally sport challenge to me only you can play it a lot more serious when i play test drive lama i turn every assist off i play with manual shifting no abs Mm. uh no traction control i play with the hardest ai i just like go all out it's one of those games i can really get into uh but it feels like the driving engine that they built for this game was way ahead of its time it really reminds me of like the accuracy you would expect uh from the gtr games the old gtr games Mm. on the pc i don't know if those still exist anymore but uh for a while those were kind of it if you were into pc simulations but Mm. it it isn't that good but it really reminds me of that the the way the front tires interact with the road um just felt really sensational mm. and, th- and then of course test drive lama features some of the my favorite race cars uh, ever and that's the late 90s uh lama cars mm. uh, specifically the prototypes uh lama came to america and was somewhat popular i think like between 2005 and 2010 uh, so we have a local track here and i'd watch those cars and kind of refell in love with the cars in the game and just love the game all that much more mm. um awesome you know tracks from europe uh it's escaping me a little bit i always go back to suzuka which is in japan one of my favorite racetracks but everything about this game i love more than forza and gran turismo yep i um this one's an odd case for me because i i poured over the reviews and back in the day and ogled at the screenshots and i went out and bought it and i hated it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at the, at the really? time at the time yeah i i suppose because i was more of an arcade racing kind of person and mm-hmm. it, even with the assists and that on uh i it just wasn't for me and it wasn't until maybe four four or five years ago uh, that i picked this game back up and i actually gave it a fair shake and i like i love it now <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's um it's a lot more manageable for me because i've played so many racing games since um yeah at the time i was definitely not into gran turismo or anything like that i i was a daytona and cigarelli kid so <laughs> yeah no awesome yeah great so game. this is this is a game I need to review. Uh, the biggest hurdle for me is it's just there's a lot of game here, especially when you get to the, the Lama modes. Mm. Um, I don't remember how long the Lama track is. Is it like four miles or five miles, something like that? 
You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> asking the wrong person? I, I thought everybody over there watched racing, no? I, I'm not a sports guy. I don't know okay. anything about cars. I love racing games. I don't know anything about cars. Awesome. Every, everything um, I know, I learned from video games, so... Right. I, I think I follow. Yeah, I think I'm pretty, pretty much the same way. Mm. It, it's just a really big game. There are yeah. a ton of tracks, uh, a lot of things to unlock. Um, I know when I finally sit down and tackle it, there are some things that I'm going to have to do on the medium difficulty instead of the hard difficulty. But mm. uh, at some point, I would like to sit down, uh, beat this game properly, unlock everything and, and really, you know, give the game the review it deserves. Because yep. I, I don't feel like anybody talks about this. And it, mm. it's just to me one of the best racing games ever made yep yeah definitely agree um all right i can stop gushing on test drive lamar <laughs> now if you would like <laughs> no it's your show you do what you like <laughs> <laughs> all right okay. why don't you move on to the next title all righty so my pick um is probably an obvious pick but it's the right one for me uh it's metropolis street racer or msr um the precursor to the project gotham games um this game i picked up back in the day and i've never gotten past chapter maybe chapter four or five um which out of the 60 chapters that sounds ridiculous but (laughs) i i will sit there and play this game for 10 or 20 hours and just race the same tracks over again um now i've been making a fair fair amount of progress i've started it up again recently and i've gotten i think i'm up to chapters uh chapter five chapter five (laughs) so i've hit the wall that i hit back in the day Uh, it's tough it's a tough game uh yeah but uh, just something about it the visuals to me still they still look really good and the the soundtrack is so bizarre and and quirky and i love the custom soundtrack feature or custom playlists that you can set mm-hmm. up and just the controls uh, that perfect balance of um sort of like arcade yeah, and sim yeah it's got that sim it feels right but it's definitely got those exaggerated you know uh, arcade it's elements forgiving. yeah um, kind of, yeah. Control-wise, yeah. <laughs> the rest of it, I no. am... <laughs> I remember somebody way back in the day, I want to say Metropolis Street Racer, the demo was released in the UK before the US, mm. and somebody um, had... A friend of mine... I don't even know why they had it. They sent it to me. So the first time I ever played Metropolis Street Racer was the demo from the UK, which was released before the game was released here. So I thought that was really cool. Mm. Just like a memory I have. Uh, I do own the game. I haven't put that much time into it. I'm much more familiar with the, the Project Gotham sequels, I guess mm. you could say. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I, Project Gotham to me was a weird one. I didn't like it at first. Um, I think it felt to me like a poor man's metropolis street racer you know the quirky quirky <laughs> soundtrack was gone and and all that kind of stuff but um i think i really started to dig the series with project gotham 2 and then okay. 3 and 4 so 
Mm. It was. I kind of skipped around. I, I Project Gotham <clears throat> one. I we, me and a friend like left for a lake house for a week mm. for like a vacation back whenever that was, and we ended up playing Project Gotham Racing for four straight days. We never mm. even went outside. Yeah. Like the game just hooked us. It was it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I uh, didn't play Project Gotham Racing two, uh, but I did pick up Project Gotham Racing three, which I want to say was a launch title for the three sixty. It, it was. I picked it up at launch. So yeah. Mm. So I I burned out on that game. Uh, I the again the game is hard. I could not complete everything there was to complete in mm. that game. Uh, there were a few missions or challenges or whatever they were called that like were beyond. And I consider myself uh, pretty proficient at racing games. Most games I think I'm average, but I think at racing games I I would call myself proficient. Yeah. And I I could not <clears throat> complete the game. It was too hard. Uh, but the online component, uh, I, I put 120 hours into project gotham racing three mm. like i just loved it yeah yeah i was um but, but the third one was okay for me i liked it but the fourth one was the was the one i really dug into so if you like the third one you'll like the fourth one have you played the fourth one i did but yeah. i i don't know what happened with the fourth one mm. i think at that point i was just burnt out yeah. on the series mm. uh after 120 hours I, I i just i had had enough or something yeah. i don't know no fair enough <laughs> fair enough it happens <laughs> but, but start even dating back to metropolis street racer <clears throat> this has always been just a very uh, stylistic game mm. it celebrated how cool cars were it celebrated yep. how cool driving was it was a very mm. sega game yeah it still felt like that even towards the end and uh i think everyone must have burnt out on it because it never came back <laughs> <laughs> it died with rally sport challenge yeah yeah <laughs> i do own metropolis street racer and i feel mm. really bad that uh, i haven't really played it that much mm. um especially now that i have a proper setup where i can play a game that's all dark because metropolis street racer if you live in america uh is a very dark game because it uses the clock mm. um and so you're when it's daylight here it's dark in japan and london so yep. it's a very dark game yeah um, and up until a year or so ago i just couldn't play the game mm. yeah uh i think every time i go to play it it's dark in the other two countries too although yeah. i think there's a bug <laughs> uh i think i may have one of the copies that has a bug where um i can't remember which city maybe japan is always nighttime. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> there was there was a few bugs in the PAL release, so um Interesting. Yeah, I think I've got that one. <laughs> and let's Alrighty. go ahead the the <clears throat> last one, the one uh my one of my not one of my. This is my favorite game of all time. Not the best game of all time, not the mm -hmm. best Dreamcast racing game of all time, and not even the best game in the series if one was looking at it objectively. Uh but my yep. favorite is the original Tokyo Extreme Racer on the Dreamcast. I agree. Yep. This was if it's hard to it's weird to look back at it now, but it, back in 1999, before the Dreamcast released, um, I, the PlayStation 2 was kind of always looming overhead. Magazines mm. were always kind of like, yeah, the Dreamcast is pretty cool, but, you know, this PlayStation 2 is going to be a lot better. Mm. Uh, and it was very, very frustrating uh, to constantly read magazines telling people to kind of wait on the sidelines and see what happens. Um, but I always remember seeing Tokyo Extreme Racer and saying, yeah, this looks better than the Gran Turismo demo that sony keeps showing for the playstation 2 yep 
So that it's, was the first thing. It was the the ridiculous graphics at the time. Mm. And more specifically, the frame rate was just the sense of speed this game gave in 1999 was unmatched by anything. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I um, I picked up a Tokyo Extreme Racer. I think I picked that. No, I didn't pick it up when I picked up my Dreamcast. I picked it up a little while later when I went back for my second batch of games. <laughs> um, because there was a lot. I think we had, what, 15 or 20, 20 games lot. at launch? It was a big and, launch. Uh, yeah. I, I want to even say 30 because it was big. Um, but, yeah, I have such fond memories of the Extreme Racer series. I started, my love affair started with one, amplified with two, and, yeah, I'm just starting to pick up the ones that I missed on the uh, PlayStation 2 and... Um, I've got the Xbox 360 version as well, yeah. the, the import tuna challenge. and yep. But no, Tokyo Extreme Racer 1 and 2 are <laughs> so good. So good. I think I most... Um, it's a game, too, that I talked uh, mentioned earlier with Test Drive Lamar. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of racing games, it, that's a big thing to kind of digest. And Tokyo Extreme Racer is no exception. Mm-hmm. So, basically, you are racing the streets of uh, a real highway in Tokyo. I forget what it's called. But there's, like, a main loop, mm-hmm. I want to say, in the center of Tokyo. And that's what this kind of is. Yep. And uh, back in the day, um, people would literally drive 100 you know, plus miles an hour. I don't know what that is in kilometers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> People would drive very fast and get away with it because the cops couldn't really do anything about it. Mm. And there was kind of this whole tuner culture that really started out there um, and eventually spread throughout the world. Um, but Tokyo Extreme Racer kind of came out before that, before Fast and the Furious by two years. Yep. Um, so you have yep. all these really cool import cars, you know, and you're doing all these cool things with them that I had never seen before in 1999 because it's much different than like Gran Turismo. Mm. Um, so you basically have to, I think, take down 120 or 130 rivals uh, divided into gangs and there are bosses and there are leaders. Um, and it kind of, in a way, it's sort of like a role playing game and mm. that there are objectives to do. You level up, you have to manage money. Um, and by the time you get to the end of the game, you know, you're a pretty big badass. Mm. Yep. Yeah. No. So whenever I go ahead. No, 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 you're right. I'm just agreeing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think the most recent time when I played it, uh, after I got so far, um, once I got a car, I knew there's two. The main mode is what? The challenge mode or the story mode or whatever it is. But yeah, there's a single mode, player yeah. mode. Ah, quest yeah. mode. I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> once I had a car in quest mode that I knew was good enough to beat the single player mode, I always mm. go back and I spend the three hours and I, I win single player mode, which is basically mm. one car after another, after another, after another. Yep. Uh, but you're rewarded, I want to say, with the Datsun, uh, the original mm. Z car, the precursor mm. to the 350Z or the 300Z. Or, or what have you, the original Nissan or Datsun Z, uh, which is the best <laughs> car in the game. And then yep. I go and finish the game and breeze through it. Uh, but just stuff <clears throat> like that I really dig. It's just a game I can put 20 hours into or 15 or however long it takes and have a blast. I used to say I played it through it every single year. I, I did mm. not play it through it last year or this year, but I'm going to have to get on that. Yeah, most definitely. I, um, I started up Extreme Racer 2. Uh, maybe a month ago and it's one of those games that you put on and five hours will go by and you don't yes don't know where the five hours went 
and then you'll continue to play for another five hours. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, I only need like 3,000 more CP or money so that I can buy this and then I'll be done. And And then 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 you focus on that and that's it. Uh, the controls, I would say, in Tokyo Extreme Racer 1 are a little dated. Mm. Um, they, they, it's pretty easy to understeer into a wall, and the game doesn't punish you for driving into the wall. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of cases in the game where I'll just ricochet off the wall because it's the fastest way yeah. around the track, yeah. uh, which is a bit sloppy, but taking advantage of what the game gives you, to me, is also kind of fun. Almost mm. like you're taking advantage of an exploit or something. Yeah, um, I I don't I can't remember if it's uh, in the first one, but in the second in the second Dreamcast title, you could you could steer uh, enemy like the your opponent cars into other cars. Like if you you could overtake, um, say a traffic vehicle, and you could dart in front of the traffic vehicle, and the AI does this flip out, and it just bangs into the car, and it gets wiped out. <laughs> Just all those little exploits you find after playing for, you know, it is. It's like a little, yeah, it's like a little, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Other people would call that, you know, dodgy or... Cheating. Yeah. It's not cheating. It's It's in the game. Yeah, it's part of the experience. (laughs) (laughs) Breaking the game. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I definitely don't think I noticed or we even was aware of, of any sort of AI uh, car oddities. But that's really mm. cool that 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 exists. Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, so three amazing Dreamcast racing games: yep. Test Drive Le Mans, Metropolis Street Racer, Tokyo Extreme Racer. I haven't looked up prices for any of these games. I would imagine none of them can be that expensive. Mm. No, I have no idea. I, Ten bucks tops would be my guess. I bought I a know. I bought a Japanese copy of um, Extreme Racer Two. I think it was maybe fifteen dollars Australian. It's um not expensive. Metropolis Street Racer I bought sealed actually, and I didn't realize it was sealed, and I unsealed it. Um, but Good. yeah, but that, <laughs> yeah, not that expensive at all yeah Mm. just an awesome time for racing games for me just like we've mentioned that a really nice mix of like the end of the 90s arcade the beginning of simulation Mm. and just some awesome mixes of the two just really really awesome yeah agreed Uh, (laughs) any (laughs) final thoughts before we end the show no i think i'm good mate (laughs) All right. Awesome. Uh, Well, I appreciate you very much taking uh, an hour out of your morning here to to join me and especially talk about some things uh, like the Xbox. I'm very fond of Mm. Dreamcast racing games, which I'm hugely fond of. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. If you are watching the show and you would like to... I always get it wrong if you're watching the show and you'd like to listen to it like a normal mp3 check the description below there's links to the rss feed there are links to the itunes and google play and of course if you're listening to this and you'd like to watch it check out the youtube channel youtube.com slash implant games for this and all the other videos that i do each and every week definitely check out robbie's youtube channel uh search for the aussie retro gamer vine you'll find some awesome dreamcast racing videos and uh on behalf of myself on behalf of robbie until next time guys have a great week see ya